wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Wrestle Rant Radio for January 10, 2019. I am Graham Gius and Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. Only one week into the new year, not even 12 days into 2019, and already things are happening. All Elite Wrestling has been announced. The roster has been revealed, at least a portion of it, this past Tuesday at their rally in Jacksonville. We're talking all about that, the latest happenings on Raw, SmackDown, what's shaping up to happening at the Royal Rumble in a few short weeks. We'll talk all about that as well. And predictions for 2019, what we expect to happen in the new year. Um, with someone who has been here on the show before, about two years ago, who helped me preview the year that was 2017 in the world of wrestling. Um, that being David Joseph, if you could check him out on the Twitter machine. He's written for Next Era Wrestling before, now writing for Daily DDT. A lot of great articles over there. David, welcome back to WrestleRant Radio, my man. How you doing? It's been a long time. As always, Graham, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to have conversation with you and I, I know it's early in the new year, but I, I think I'm the first guest of the new year, right? The second guest, so, actually. We just had one show last week, and I was going to have you on a few weeks ago, but we got bumped a little bit. But the second, you know, second is still good too. You know, the second one of the uh, of, yeah. of 2019. Yeah. So, uh, like yeah, I said, absolutely. I would ha- I would have to look up the exact dates, but it almost might have been two years ago, nearly to the day that I had you last year on the show to help me break down the year that was, or rather preview the year that was, 2017 in the world of wrestling. I know we kind of offered a few picks and predictions for what we expected to happen in 2017. I'd have to go back and listen to it. I'm pretty sure I got almost everything wrong. I'm not a great predictor. I'm not a great previewer. Um, So I'll get your two cents on that in a second. But I do faintly remember you saying that Batista would be back in WWE in 2017, which I remember being a great prediction. Of course, about a year off, he came back to WWE at SmackDown 1000 back in October. So maybe he'll be back this year. So that's a solid prediction as well. Um, But David, before we get into 2019 predictions, all elite wrestling, WWE talk and whatnot, what have you been up to? Like I said, I've seen you write a few articles for Daily DDT. So uh, how's life been going for you, dude? Life's been going great, you know. I've been slowly, I'm in my senior year of undergrad right now, working through that, but on break at the moment. But yeah, like you said, a lot of my time has been dedicated to contributing for Daily DDT. I, I think... The, the staff and the editor there has been really great and really positive. He's always supportive of all sorts of work that I'm willing to, you know, bring to the table. And I, I just, I'm very thankful to have that platform and just be able to not only talk about wrestling, but be able to use my voice to talk about certain social issues and all sorts of things that, not people people are not talk, touching on enough so i'm just really thankful for the platform and i i love nothing more than getting to contribute to the wrestling world and, and the sports world as a whole 
And I know one of the articles that you wrote a few short weeks ago had to do with how WWE needs more black champions in their company, specifically, in my opinion, black world champions. This is a topic I've talked about here on the show and other forums on Bleach Report and other places for years now. How, aside from, you know, your Booker T's and Mark Henry's who both held the World Heavyweight Championship, we've had The Rock, who was the first black WWE champion who held the championship back 20 years ago. Beyond that... It's actually crazy to think we've never had an African-American WWE champion in the 50, 60 years that the title has been around. Now, I haven't gotten the chance to read your entire article yet, but have you had the chance to kind of think about who from the current roster could be that guy? I mean, obviously, the Universal Championship is an option, too, but I'm thinking solely the WWE title here. Um, There's guys from, you know, Apollo Crews and other people between Raw and SmackDown and NXT as well, Keith Lee currently. Do you think there's anyone on the current roster who could be that guy to be the next black world champion in WWE? You know, it's good that you bring that up because, once again, I think, as as you pointed out, you know, certain writers over the years have touched on that social in- issue within the industry, but I feel like it's definitely not touched upon enough. But to answer your question, I think this, so many black wrestlers on the roster in 2019 that are, are more than capable of being stars and more than capable of being world champions. The first that comes to mind is Bobby Lashley. Mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of people aren't, aren't fond of his, his mic work, but I don't even think that point's relevant anymore because he has a good mouthpiece in Leo Rush. So I think if WWE makes it a good job to present him as the badass that he is, then I think he could be on path to being a serious world champion. And let's be honest, there's not a lot of believable challengers left for Brock Lesnar. And we want the the title in the full-time rotation on television. So I definitely see Bobby Lashley as a worthy contender for a world title. And then another guy on NXT, Velveteen Dream, certainly loses the charisma. I always say the greatest wrestlers are the ones you don't watch, but it's the ones you experience. You, you have to hang on every word and hang on every motion when they walk out through the curtain. And, and Velveteen Dream's the definition of that. He, he is just so different. He's such a good storyteller. And another one in NXT, Keith Lee, can certainly see him being a, a worthy world champion. And then if, to go back to the main roster, I think guys like R-Truth, if they were to give him a veteran run that I feel like he's worthy and he deserves, you know, everything the WWE gives him, he makes it entertaining. I, I think that counts for something. And he's found a way to stay steadily employed in the wrestling industry for 15-plus years. I, I wouldn't be mad if R-Truth had, like, a thank you world championship. And I think... There's even more, like Ember Moon for the women. There's just so much black wrestlers that I think if they're positioned well in the right stories, they can certainly thrive. Yeah, like you said, there's a lot more than I think people even consider. Um, People like Apollo Crews, Keith Lee, Velveteen Dream slipped my mind. There's a lot of people that could build around to be that guy. Bobby Lashley being one of them. I'm glad you brought him up, David, because personally, I think we're in the minority here that like that our fans of Bobby Lashley think he can... That, that he has potential, can be that guy. Because when he was first brought back, he had some buzz, he had some momentum. They quickly squandered that with the whole Sami Zayn sisters program, that whole storyline, that whole weird-ass stuff. 
and then he was involved with Roman Reigns for a while, got a few good matches out of him, and then kind of fell off the face of the earth, and of course he turned heel in the final few months of 2018, but even now he kind of feels like he's spinning his wheels. Now he's working with Seth Rollins as we enter 2019, um, but any buzz or momentum that he had when he first came back to the company now feels like it's gone. And Bobby Lashley was a guy, obviously, they seemed to be looking, they, they seemed to look to build around about a decade ago when he was first with the company, and obviously that fell through, and then he left the company soon after. Um, but Bobby Lashley, as a heel, with Leo Rush by his side, anyone who watched his Impact TNA run from a few years ago has got to be aware of what this guy is capable of and that it can be that dominant destroyer type if they want him to be. Um, I think their booking has kind of hindered that a bit, but anyone who saw his impact run, he wasn't like bending over and showing off his glutes or whatever the hell he's doing now. He was a dominant destroyer guy. He was a guy that you could build your company around. I'm not saying he should be the guy on Raw, but there is no reason why you said, David, that he can't be the guy to face Brock Lesnar at some point, whether it be at a WrestleMania or some point down the road. So Bobby Lashley is definitely one of those guys um, Velveteen Dream is another one, obviously, to watch out for. He's a top prospect on the NXT brand now. Is he one of the guys, David, that you think could be main roster bound before long in 2019? I I, I would wish I wish he was coming with the the latest call-ups, you know, Lars Sullivan, EC3. But I I understand it. Uh, Triple H and Vince are probably viewing it as. You know, NXT, the NXT brand needs Velveteen Dream right now more than he needs to go to the main roster. So I, I could see it maybe being another year, maybe till he comes up to the main roster. But if he was to come, say, like as a surprise entrance in, in the Royal Rumble, I wouldn't be mad at that at all. I think it would be a great way to introduce him and hopefully get him in a, a WrestleMania program. <laughs> Yeah, I see nothing wrong with that whatsoever. The guy's an absolute star. He's been shining like a star for the past two years on the NXT brand. He's always come close to becoming a champion down there, whether it's the NXT North American Championship, the NXT Championship itself, and has always fallen short. So maybe he captures gold before he leaves later on this year. If not, joining Raw or SmackDown would not be a bad idea either, assuming he's utilized correctly, of course. That's always with that assumption because you never know with some of these people. So we'll soon see if that's the case when he gets called up before long. Um, but speaking of which, you mentioned the NXT call-ups. We have yet to see any of them surface on the main roster for weeks. For about a month now, we've been watching these promos on Raw saying, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. Lars Sullivan, EC3, uh, Lacey Evans, Nikki Cross, and Heavy Machinery. I read this past week that they were all involved in, I think, dark matches before Raw and SmackDown. Um, I think Lacey Evans and EC3 before Raw, and then Heavy Machinery before SmackDown. So maybe that's an indicator of where these guys and girls could end up when they eventually get called up full-time. Um, but for each of these people, do you think that there's anyone from this pack of NXT call-ups, David, that you could see becoming a real big star in the main roster? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I know I, I might be in the minority with this because it, it seems like generally the the hardcore fan base or the internet fan base isn't that big of a fan of big men. But Lars Sullivan, I, I definitely see star power in him. I, I, I can see him being that one to probably break out of the pack. But as far as, you know, having the complete package and, and, and being a top guy, I can't help but feel that EC3 has more of the tools to be a, a consistent top guy. He has a great look. 
You know, he, he has that look that obviously you could post on Billboard's magazine. You could see him on the Today Show. And also, he's another guy, as you mentioned with Bobby Lashley, if you go to his Impact Wrestling work, he, he proved that he can leave the WWE and perfect his craft in another area. And his work was really quality there. In NXT, I don't think he was able to, you know, get his legs underneath him for good. You know, I don't think he ever quite got fully comfortable and acclimated, but he's someone I could certainly see thriving against a Randy Orton, a John Cena, or a Seth Rollins. So I want to say EC3 and Lars Sullivan are going to be the biggest stars out of this this crop of call-ups. I hope so. I think they all have potential in some form or fashion. Even Lacey Evans and Nikki Cross can be real players in either the Raw or SmackDown women's divisions, especially now that we're getting women's tag team titles. So that gives more opportunity to more ladies, which is great. Um, Heavy Machinery can be a great get for either division on either Raw or SmackDown, just considering that tag team wrestling has never really been their strong suit, the main roster's strong suit. So I'm not saying they're going to change the game or anything like that, but having new faces in the mix... Never hurts. Maybe them against the bar would be a good combination, so we'll soon see uh, once they get called up, hopefully to SmackDown. But yeah, EC3 was uh, one of the cornerstones of that impact, you know, for, for impact for about five years, becoming a multi-time champion, world champion, Grand Slam champion, whatever. The guy was a great um, asset to that company for such a long time that I think even in NXT with the whole NX3 thing, and he had some good matches and memorable moments and whatnot, but... I feel like more so than anything else, like you said, David, he never really got quite acclimated to the product. And, I mean, I think he's a better fit for the main roster, assuming they use him the right way. And also, too, NXT is so stockpiled with star power and talent right now that not everyone's going to get a shot. Not everyone's going to get an opportunity. Not everyone's going to get a push simultaneously. So maybe it's for the best that he moves on to Raw or SmackDown as we enter the new year. Uh, but speaking of 2019, before we get into any Raw, SmackDown, All Elite Wrestling news, David, are there any bold predictions that you have for 2019, whether it be in WWE or just the world of wrestling on the whole? That's tough. Um, I'll give you this. You know, I know it's like beating a dead horse at this point, and I personally am not holding my breath. I, I personally have, you know, given up hope and, uh, and I'm not waiting for this guy to return. But I do think sometime in the year 2019, we'll see CM Punk work a match with AEW. I, I just think though those guys have really business savvy guys. And uh, I'm not sure if you, you've stumbled upon recent reports, but I believe there was a report that CM Punk said that nobody has came to him with an offer and he said he doesn't desire to go back to wrestling. I'm paraphrasing of course, but he said he would be willing to listen if Cody Rhodes came to him with an offer. So I do think where there's smoke, there's fire and Cody will eventually give him an offer and I think even if it's for just a one-off, CM Punk will wrestle for AEW. I mean, it is definitely a bold prediction. I mean, I've seen a few people say that. Um, I think CM Punk would be a great fit for the company if they did indeed. Obviously, if he opted to sign with them. I mean, if there's any company that he was going to come back to for wrestling. Obviously, WWE is out of the question. Anyone hoping for a number 30 spot in the Royal Rumble for CM Punk is clearly out of their mind. People got to stop hoping for that. But if he was to come back to wrestling, 
I think Ring of Honor would be a good fit for him. New Japan people have said, a uh, member of the Bullet Club. I know people have, you know, been fantasy booking that for years now. But now that AEW is finally starting to become a thing, and they clearly have money behind them, too. Um, I was kind of weary about that when the company was initially announced about a week ago, but after Tuesday night's rally, with Chris Jericho officially signing on, they have Pac, obviously Cody and the Young Bucks are um, kind of at the helm of this entire thing, along with the guy who owns the Jaguars and all this other stuff and all these other people that are on board, including Adam Page and MJF and Joey Janela and all these other names. Um, it might, not to say that it's going to be on the level of WWE, not by a long shot, but they could be a real threat to them in terms of being, you know, an alternative to the WWE product, which people have been craving for now for many, many years. And Impact's great, mm-hmm. Ring of Honor's great, even New Japan's great, but no company right now, I would argue, and obviously it's still in its infancy, so this is a bit of a um, premature statement, but no company right now in the world of wrestling has the same amount of buzz that AEW does with what they're doing and who they're signing and whatnot. So CM Punk going with what's hot and wanted to stick it to WWE by joining AEW would be um, a hell of a get for the company. I think they really need that one name to convince people that, okay, this thing is for real. And obviously Chris Jericho could be that guy, but at the same time, Chris Jericho coming over, I would compare that to, um, it's hard to say, like TNA got a lot of big names early on in its infancy. Um, Kurt Angle could still go, maybe Sting, because you know Sting was, yeah, I mean, he was in TNA for about 10 years, Chris Jericho, I don't see him wrestling full-time for the next 10 years, because he's got other stuff going on too, but Chris Jericho's a guy, been there, done that, he's a seasoned vet, he's not a guy to build around for that company, he's a huge name, mind you, but even from what I read this morning, he has not signed an exclusive deal with AEW, he might still work matches for New Japan, so he's not really that guy. Um, they have Pac, who's an amazing wrestler, one of the hottest going in indie wrestling right now. I don't even know if he's the guy to build around. Obviously, if they sign Kenny Omega, that would be the that would be the answer to that problem that they want to build around him. But CM Punk, if he does come back either full time or for a few matches, he could be that guy. So speaking of CM Punk, let's say in a fantasy booking situation, David, he signs with All Elite Wrestling, either going off the current roster. Or anyone else you think they may sign in the foreseeable future? Who would you want to see CM Punk face for his first match back? If he was to only have one match in all elite wrestling, who would you want to see him face? Man, it has to be a free agent, right? Like nobody currently employed by WWE. Um, you know, I, you know, I'll throw. You know what? You can include WWE guys in there too. I mean, obviously. You know, like a John Cena isn't going to All Elite Wrestling, but if you think there's a chance they could leave WWE to go to All Elite Wrestling either by next year or late 2019, yeah, I would include those guys too. Uh, all right. Well, I, by the way, I think it was greatly pointed out, like that they AEW is in its infancy, but they they do need you know those names like CM Punk, like, and I do think if they were to land them, they would need someone at least on par with him name value i know this is gonna sound a little crazy but perhaps aj styles you know i i don't think he he's gonna leave wwe anytime soon but i i can certainly see like an older talent like aj styles not that he's old and on his last legs he's still you know pound for pound probably the best in-ring performer out but i, I could see a guy like him maybe considering okay maybe i'll i'll get to work a little less for 
if not the same, if not just as much more money. And maybe he's a guy that values values family time too. So I think it's possible that a, a company like AEW, you know, could steal AJ Styles. And I think him versus Punk would be a hell of a match. Yeah, I think if he was to ever come back to WWE, which again is a long shot, I don't see that happening either ever or for a very long time. By that point, I think AJ Styles will have been long gone from WWE, which sucks. Um, But yeah, Punk and Styles, if AJ was to leave for All Elite, which again, like you said, I'm glad you pointed that out because I don't think that's happening. There were a lot of people, like a lot of bogus news websites that were saying, oh, he's going to All Elite Wrestling, no doubt. I don't think that's the case at all. I know AJ's contract expires soon. I think he's happy right where he's at. He's one of the few success stories in WWE. A guy that was kind of a homegrown talent in another company, came on over and became a huge star. You can kind of argue that with Nakamura, but I feel like he's cooled off significantly. AJ is the only guy in the modern age of the last couple of years, with the exception of CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, who came over and became a household name and got a lot of success, held the WWE Championship for over a year. Not many people can say that, so... Um, I would keep him right where he is. Still many more matches and things to accomplish for AJ and WWE. But yeah, a Punk-AJ match would be amazing. My answer would be if AJ was to stay with WWE, which again, I think he will, uh, would be Kenny Omega. I think AJ, or rather, I'm sorry, Kenny Omega and CM Punk would be a nice consolation prize. Um, Never before done, probably never again, unless they do many more rematches like The Rock and John Cena. But assuming they stick to what, like a -a once-in-a-lifetime type matchup, that would be absolutely huge. I know people were petitioning for that for the all-in show last year in Chicago. Clearly it didn't happen. Punk was still focused on his UFC fight at the time. Um, but a Kenny Omega CM Punk match, I think, would be a major draw for one of their shows. I think obviously double or nothing is coming up in a few short months in May. I think May 25th in Las Vegas. That might be a little soon. Um, but maybe at some point later on this year or early 2020, CM Punk, Kenny Omega at one of their big shows could bring in a lot of new fans. And I think, too, they not only need to capitalize on the current fans of the Bullet Club and the All Elite Faction and, you know, Ring of Honor and whatever, those people will watch this new promotion no matter what. I think they really need to, if they want to be on par with WWE, financially it's never going to happen, but in terms of kind of gaining a new fan base, adding to their fan base... They have to convince people from the current, you know, WWE fan base that, yeah, we're legit, we have stars. And I think CM Punk could be one of those people that people remember from years ago, like, oh, shit, CM Punk's back. I want to check this guy out in this new promotion and kind of open their eyes to all their other members of the roster, too, from guys like MGF to Joey Janela and Pac and so on and so forth. But um, speaking of Kenny Omega, we did have Wrestle Kingdom 13 just last week, dropping the IWGP Heavyweight Championship to Hiroshi Tanahashi in the main event of the show, all but confirming that Omega is on his way out of New Japan. He said so in an interview later on in the week. Um, It could be a storyline, could be work, wouldn't be the first time, may not be the last time, so he may be sticking with New Japan, but fuels are, uh, are rather, uh, rumors rather, are running rampant that the guy could be signing with either AEW or jumping ship to WWE at long last. Uh, For you, David, what do you think is more likely of the three options? He stays with New Japan, he signs with AEW and joins his friends over there, or jump ships or, or jump ship to WWE. That's a great that's a great, great question because each one of those options are phenomenal. But real quick before I, I answer that, a, a second bold prediction I would really like to throw up there with the CM Punk return. Mm-hmm. And on a WWE note, 
uh, reports have run rampant that Fox demands a more sports-like presentation when in 2019 when SmackDown goes to Fox. I could totally see WWE doing something left field and allowing Brock to be drafted to SmackDown live. Mm-hmm. That that would be, I, I think, a big way to get SmackDown live some buzz for Fox. But to move on to Kenny Omega, I, I wanted, I, I could totally see him in WWE. I know nobody wants that because we always have our fears if certain wrestlers will be able to have creative control, but I think he's going to sign with AEW. I think he's one of those guys that they almost need to sign to get some buzz and legitimacy. He's been one of the hottest non-WWE wrestlers for the last few years, so I think it's almost all but set in stone that he'll go there, and I'm pretty sure the contract would be good money, and he'll be able to maintain control over his character and be able to work with a lot of friends. So I I see him signing with AEW. (laughs) So do I. I think now would be as good of a time as ever for him to go to WWE because, I mean, he could still be, and I think there's a decent chance he still will be as a big star now as he he could be in five years from now, like Cody and the Young Bucks. Now I think would have been the time for them to go to WWE. They closed um, that window when they obviously, you know, formed All Elite Wrestling. And it doesn't look like they will be ever going back to WWE. Maybe down the road, but it's been rumored they they signed five-year deals with this new promotion. So it doesn't look like we'll ever see the Elite in WWE anytime soon. Uh, Kenny Omega may be on his own, but um, I do think, like you said, with, with Jericho signing, with Pac signing, it's not like it's a little Elite base. I mean, it is like an Elite-run promotion by the Elite, but... They're getting in many more big names than just Cody and the Young Bucks. So there obviously is some smoke to the fire here. There is a lot of legitimacy going on behind the scenes with who they're signing. So if they can land Jericho, I think they can land Omega too in terms of pay scale. So um, that's what I see happening as well. Kenny Omega, I think, would be a great fit for WWE. But with the product being in a state of flux at the moment, at least Raw specifically... Does Kenny Omega really want to risk that chance of, you know, ruining any momentum that he has right now by going to a company that may not use him at the level that he deserves to be used at? That's the question. Right now may not be that time, um, maybe down the road, but with All Elite Wrestling really kind of just getting its legs underneath it and just starting to build momentum as its own little product and kind of slowly gaining steam with who they're bringing in, I think it would be... Um, it would be foolish for him to sign anywhere else, sign anywhere else but all elite wrestling. And you said that big, you know, the two big words there as well, David. Creative control uh, with Kenny Omega. I think there's a very good chance that we could see him go to all elite wrestling just to ensure that he has creative control over his character. So um, that's. I think we definitely agree on what the future holds for Kenny Omega in the world of wrestling. You also mentioned, like you said, Brock Lesnar going to SmackDown. I can certainly see that happening um, if Brock decides to stay. So, by that prediction, uh, by virtue of that prediction, David, are you predicting that Brock Lesnar sticks around in WWE through the remainder of 2019? You know, it it gets a little, like, bothersome, because it's like, one minute, you hear he's going to UFC, and then one minute, he, he signed for a few more WWE dates, and then one minute, you know, he's here till WrestleMania, so you never know what Brock, but something tells me, you know, this is just him playing the leverage game. I, I think perhaps he will go back to UFC for one more fight, but yes, I, I do see him for for the long haul at least 
remaining in WWE because, you know, he gets to pick and choose his big-time fights. and He's not here every week, so I'm sure he loves, you know, collecting the money while working part-time. So I, I do see something like that. I do see him going to SmackDown Live, and I, I see him with a whole batch of fresh opponents, and I, I think that's going to be one of the selling points to keep him around, you know. Go, go to Fox, where we just got this new great TV deal. There's a lot more extra money for you to make and a lot more fresh opponents that you've never faced that you could continue to work with on a, a part-time basis. So, yeah, I could certainly see it. At the same time, there's been a lot of rumors regarding his future with UFC. Now, the fight with Daniel Cormier was in the works many months ago when he showed up, I think, at UFC 223 or one of those type of shows. And, um, I mean, Daniel Cormier at that time, and still is the UFC heavyweight champion. So it would be a big money fight, bringing a lot of people to watch that pay-per-view. Um, still a chance that it could happen. Um, I know him and John Jones was rumored a few years ago that could, I guess could still happen. I don't know what's going on with John Jones nowadays and his suspension and whatnot, but anyway, um, Balor, Balor, I don't know why I said Balor, Brock, Brock and Cormier in UFC, could that happen at UFC whatever, um, at a UFC pay-per-view in 2019? Do you think they would allow Brock to do the same schedule that he did a few years ago, where he was still a WWE, but he was given the opportunity, the one-off opportunity, to fight at that UFC 200 show? Now, granted, it was a, an amazing opportunity for him. Unfortunately, he squandered it by then getting suspended and getting caught for doing PEDs or whatever it was, and the fight being overruled mm-hmm. to a no contest. Do you think WWE would risk the embarrassment again by having Brock do both at the same time? No, I, I don't think they will. That That's why I, I do think he'll ditch the WWE for a handful of months to, you know, train and perhaps get ready for whoever his next UFC fight will be. I mean, it looks like he started training at all, already, actually. He looks a little lighter and looks like he cut some weight, but... I do think he'll walk away for probably a good three to six months to focus on that UFC one-off. But then I, I could certainly see him returning back into the WWE for some big matches here and there, maybe at SummerSlam and Mania. So what's going on with Brock right now? We got him at the Rumble. He's facing Braun Strowman for the Universal Championship. Beyond that, it gets kind of cloudy in terms of what happens with the championship, what happens with Brock, what happens with Broman, uh, Broman, I meant Braun, it sounds like the love child of Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman, uh, Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar come WrestleMania 35, we're not really sure what's going on here, um, their segment this past weekend, Raw, had a lot of people talking at night, not for the right reasons either, their segment kind of fell flat, uh, Braun seemed to forget his lines, there was no physical interaction, which I understand, because apparently Braun is still not clear to compete, but it left a lot to be desired, we'll say that much, and the entire build-up for this match of the Rumble has left a lot to be desired, it was first announced about a month ago, and even when Braun first teased going back after Brock right after Survivor Series, I can't say that I or many other people care just because we've seen it oh so many times. Braun has failed to be Brock on a handful of occasions, and this is the epitome of WWE not striking while the iron is hot with a certain superstar. Because even if he was to be Brock at the Rumble, would anyone really care at that point? Braun doesn't feel nearly as hot as he did even a year ago. So I don't know what's going on right now. I get the gut feeling. I think it's logical from a storyline standpoint for Braun to finally overcome the beast and become the Universal Champion. Yet, I get the gut feeling that 
Brock will retain the title, because why would you have him drop the championship at at the Royal Rumble? Why would you have him regain the gold at all? I mean, that that's the weird thing here, because they had Brock get the belt back, crown jewel. Why put the belt back on Braun, or rather on Brock, only to have him drop it two months later at the Royal Rumble? That's what I don't understand. Unless they yeah, really exactly. want to do Brock and Brian, or Brock and AJ at Survivor Series. So I don't really understand what's going on there. So my prediction as of right now is that Brock wins and then goes on to WrestleMania either to face Seth Rollins or Drew McIntyre. Because otherwise, if Brock loses at the Rumble, and Braun doesn't really feel like the type of person that would walk into WrestleMania as champion anyway, but that notwithstanding, what else would you do with Brock? Would you do Brock and McIntyre as a regular match, or Brock and The Rock, I guess, if they were to bring back The Rock for WrestleMania? I feel like Brock, at this point, he's come this far as champion, he might as well go into WrestleMania as champion and just drop the belt there. Because otherwise, I, I don't know what the point of this of this title run was. So uh, what are your thoughts on the situation surrounding Brock Lesnar at the moment, David? Yeah, I, I definitely think everything you said was 100% on the money. That uh, was beautifully said. D- WWE really has booked themselves into a corner, you know, for, for the last year and a half, two years. Everybody was hanging on everything Braun Strowman was doing. He he was the hottest superstar for a while. I mean, now, you know, I'm sure we'll touch on it a bit later, but right now it's like Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey are the hottest stars in the company. But before that, it was Braun Strowman. So it's almost like, why, why are they continuing to book him in these matches with Brock Lesnar if they don't believe in him as a winner? know that that's what also confuses me as well you're better off not putting him in the match and i know his health is a little bit of a concern as much as i would like him to win at royal rumble i don't see it i don't even think wwe knows exactly what they want the end game is for brock lesnar's title reign i'm holding my breath slightly hoping that on this road to WrestleMania, they, they continue to build up Lashley as a badass threat to face Brock Lesnar, but I don't see that likely. Drew McIntyre is the key here because, you know, they've built them up pretty nicely. If they if there's something that WWE has done right, they've protected Drew well, and they've done a good job of making him look like a star. And I, and I could see him as one of the top names to possibly win the Rumble, but at the same time, I, I doubt WWE's ability to build a, a compelling feud with a, a heel versus heel dynamic with Brock and Drew McIntyre. I mean, I, I think the work and the match would be great. I think the story could be excellent. But I fear WWE doesn't often want to go into the bad guy versus bad guy route, especially for WrestleMania season. So. It's iffy there, and then, and then you have Seth Rollins lurking. He's always relevant, and there's rumors he might face Lesnar at WrestleMania. But to be honest, that that doesn't feel like a big deal pairing to me. I I, I don't like the pairing. I love them. I love Seth Rollins, but I don't like him against Lesnar. So it, it, it's tricky here. The, honestly, the most believable matchups are Lashley, which they don't pay much attention to. I mean. They started to this Monday on Raw, but we'll see. And McIntyre, who is a heel. So it's like they almost need to make a call to The Rock and kind of 
trade that his Hollywood schedule is getting away in, and maybe he stops Lesnar. But at this moment right now, it's looking like Drew McIntyre is likely to get that universal title. But they also could always go the route of possibly waiting till Elimination Chamber, where obviously you could put Brock in a chamber match and he could get ganged up on and it wouldn't make him look weak at all. He could drop the title there also. Yeah, that's another possibility too. I didn't really think about that just because we've always had Elimination Chamber. We have Fastlane this year. Why? I have no idea. I think we would be better off having no pay-per-views in between the Rumble and WrestleMania just because more often than not, they're really not necessary. I can't tell you the last time we've had like a memorable moment happen at a pay-per-view between Rumble and WrestleMania. Not to say that it's never happened, because it has, but not not at least since like 2008, if not earlier than that. So they're not really all that necessary, but if WWE really did want to change up the card for WrestleMania significantly after seeing like... So for example, we have Braun Strowman become champion, and Drew McIntyre, let's say, win the, wins the Rumble. The card as of the Rumble could be McIntyre... And Strowman, obviously not in the main event, but it could be a top match at WrestleMania for the championship. And for all the talk about getting two fresh faces in the world title picture at WrestleMania, I think that would be awesome. But at the same time, McIntyre and Strowman for me just is not exciting at all. I like Strowman, I like McIntyre more, but as a match, it just doesn't do much for me, despite the fact I teased it and kind of planted the seeds for it a few months ago. Um, maybe then they can switch up the road to WrestleMania by putting the belts either on someone else or having McIntyre win it early. I don't know what else they would do, but, um, yeah, you mentioned the rock, maybe rock and Brock. I would sure as hell hope not in terms of getting that match for the championship as an attraction match. I think it would be okay. Like if the championship wasn't on the line, but then there were rumors months ago about like the rock winning the championship at WrestleMania. So he can walk into the next Saudi Arabia show as the universal champion, which is completely ridiculous. So fingers crossed that's not happening. Um, but yeah, again, at least this year, there's a few different options in terms of who they can go with in the title picture, at least on the raw side, between Brock, Rollins, McIntyre, and Strowman. And uh, the the Rumble doesn't feel as obvious this year for either the women or the men. For the Universal Championship, Strowman could beat Brock. He could lose to Brock. If he loses, he's pretty much done. The guy's a loser at that point. He already is kind of a loser. He's He's lost, really, whenever it's mattered most. But that would be the final nail in the coffin for his push in WWE. But at the same time, I just feel like he's going to lose because Strowman is Universal Champion just is just not that exciting. They really should have put him in the Rumble instead because the feud itself has lacked a lot of interest. It was kind of cool when they first teased it two years ago, but they've done it to death since then, and nothing else they've done since um, their last encounter at Crown Jewel has made me think, oh, wow, that's going to be an exciting match. I'm way more excited for you know Becky Lynch and Asuka, the two Rumble matches, AJ and Bryan, oh, even, yes. even the Bar yeah. versus Shane McMahon and The Miz, they announced that on Tuesday for SmackDown, so for the SmackDown Tag Team titles. This kind of feels like the pre-show match, if anything, so the bathroom break of the show. <laughs> um, so we'll see where they go with the Universal Championship for the Royal Rumble right now. Off the top of your head, David, who do you got going over in the men's Royal Rumble matchup? They really have done a good job of, you know, keeping us viewers on our toes. I mean, usually you could you could kind of pick someone and feel real confident, but I can honestly say I don't feel super confident, but I, I, I think 
Drew McIntyre, the way they've protected him, just almost right off the bat on his main roster run, I, I think right now I, I gotta you know bet on him. You know, it's it's hard to envision someone getting the best of him and throwing him up with the top rope uh, during the Royal Rumble. On the SmackDown side of things, if I was to pick like someone to you know come out victorious and go after Daniel Bryan possibly and, and choose Daniel Bryan, well. The way they have the rules now, someone from Raw could possibly choose Daniel Bryan as well. But I'm not opposed to John Cena winning the Rumble. Uh, uh, I think if you if he wins the Royal Rumble and goes after Daniel Bryan, I think you have a fresh dynamic where Daniel Bryan's a red hot heel right now, and he'd be going against a beloved babyface and John Cena. I mean, I know John Cena is more of a part timer now because of his Hollywood career, but as you can see on, on Monday Night Raw and SmackDown, fans grow to miss him and love him each time he comes back. You know, the pops get greater and greater. And I think the dynamic with a heel Daniel Bryan, a face John Cena chasing his record-breaking 17th world title reign could make some for some good television. And they could make it really personal because... Let's be honest, John Cena was dating Brie Bella's sister. I think they could dig up some skeletons and, and, and Cena's closet and make it real personal and deep. And also, too, they still have that bad blood from even five years ago um, from SummerSlam 2013. We never did get a proper rematch. You know, it was teased for a time. I know for a little while, people were kind of hoping for a rematch between the two at SummerSlam 2015 when John Cena was the United States champion and Daniel Bryan was the Intercontinental champion in a unification match of sorts. Of course, it didn't happen. Bryan had to take time off and then later retired. But maybe they can revisit that because that's another question too. If it's not John Cena, who I think makes a lot of sense, people aren't going to want to admit it, but Bryan and Cena for WrestleMania, that's a top-tier match for the WWE Championship. Cena, like you said, David, has taken a backseat on WWE TV for the past year now. Um, I think him and Brian would be a way better option than doing another Cena-Taker match. I wasn't a fan of them doing it the first time a year ago just because I think that ship sailed at least five years ago, if not at WrestleMania 33 two years ago. And then they went back to the match. It was a two-minute squash. It was completely underwhelming, a total waste of time. They have brought up nothing about it since. There's no real reason to go back to that match. We still have any... We have, we've had no aftermath and no fallout from DX beating the Brothers of Destruction back at Crown Jewel. Another kind of loose end they never really tied up. Um, so going back to Cena, though, for a second. If it's not Cena, and assuming Brian retains the title at Royal Rumble against AJ Styles... Who else is there from the SmackDown brand that you would want to see challenge Brian for the belt at WrestleMania? Uh, that, that's a tougher one because it, it, it looks like just about everybody on SmackDown is either occupied or not big enough to, to face Daniel Bryan because Daniel Bryan is real big right now. I keep hearing the, the idea of possibly a baby face Miz facing a, a, a heel Daniel Bryan and flipping the roles, but I dread that, the thought of that. Like, I, I think Miz is really one of those people that has to be a heel all the time, so I don't want them to go to that route. I, I gotta sit there and think about it, because it, it, it would take the WWE to do some real building, you know. Obviously, Styles was champion for a long time, so you can't go back to the Styles route. Perhaps 
with the right build, if they wanted to go that route, maybe a Rey Mysterio, maybe a new call, a NXT call-up like Alistair Black. But I'm not really seeing anybody on the current roster that would, A, make sense against Daniel Bryan, and B, be big enough for a marquee name at WrestleMania. Yeah, no, I agree. Looking at the current landscape of the SmackDown roster, no one else really makes as much sense as a John Cena. Unless you have Seth Rollins win the Rumble, go on to face you know, Brian or AJ instead. That would be pretty cool if they did that. Um, I didn't think of that. That's great. That, you know, that would be awesome. It, it, it's been a while since we've had a Raw. I mean, obviously last year, Oscar won the Women's Rumble. She challenged the SmackDown champion. But So they did that last year. But with the men, they have not had a Raw star challenge a SmackDown star yet or vice versa. So mm-hmm. that's always an option too. Um, a rollins Brian. Or a Rollins-AJ, if AJ gets the belt back, that would be money if they did that. Because Rollins, I think, come the Superstar shakeup right after WrestleMania, I honestly think he might be SmackDown bound anyway, assuming they put AJ in Raw. Um, You know, he's been running Raw, he's been running the roast on Raw, ruling the roast, rather, on Raw for years now. Putting him on SmackDown, maybe switching shows with Styles might make the most sense. So we'll talk about that when we get to that later on this year. But when it comes to um, who Brian might face at WrestleMania... An NXT call-up might not be a terrible idea. Um, people have been t- petitioning for years now about having a fresh face win the Rumble. I think someone said McIntyre either last year or the year before. Um, and maybe not the year before because he wasn't back in WWE yet. But people were saying that if anyone from NXT was to come up and win the Rumble out of nowhere, who would it be? People were saying McIntyre last year before he got hurt. And that would not have been too far-fetched considering how he's now being pushed. Um, if anyone, Black is going for the take uh, is going for the NXT Championship at Takeover Phoenix the night before. Maybe he loses. I assume he loses. What if Black then entered the Rumble the next night and won the entire thing his first night on the main roster? How big of a star would Aleister Black be if that was to happen? I think that that uh, a talent like Aleister Black with his skill set and his presentation and his aura. He, he deserves the, the jetpack put on his back in a manner like that. I think that would be almost perfect, you know. There's a guy with this dark aura and entrance, and he has a little anti-hero vibe to him, just immediately storms in the Royal Rumble and, and wins it all. Has a very unique look, very unique style. There's, there's nobody else in, in the wrestling industry that could duplicate what Aleister Black does and his mannerisms and I just think he would almost make the perfect foil and, and, and you know opposite of Daniel Bryan especially with Daniel Bryan doing this anti-consumerism gimmick and you know he's against people who consume and, and don't care about the environment and then you got a, a, a introverted dark guy to put an end to Daniel Bryan's rants and his selfish ways and his sneaky ways. I think those two could have an excellent storyline, excellent promos, as well as the match. The match would have to be bet on to be the match of the night. It would have to be, and I think if they really want to make a star from the get-go, which they have not done in a long time, usually nowadays if they call up someone from NXT, they show up and... You know, they face a jobber or win a match or interrupt someone. I feel like, been there, done that. They have to come up with new ways to introduce people on the main roster and immediately make them out to be a star. 
And I think they can do that by having Black show up and win the Rumble his first night in. And honestly, now the timing could not be as good as it probably ever will be just because Black is main roster ready. There's nothing more for him to do in NXT. He's finishing up his feud with the Gargano and Ciampa, I would assume, at TakeOver in a few short weeks. Beyond that, unless he's going to have a farewell match at TakeOver in um, in Brooklyn against a, you know, a Ricochet or a Matt Riddle or someone like that, there really is no reason for him to be in NXT still spinning his wheels until... I would assume he's going to get called up the net after WrestleMania, but I would bump it up and have him show up in the Rumble and not only be in it, but win it and then go on to face Daniel Bryan for the championship at WrestleMania. Like you said, David, the story they could tell, the match they could have, I feel like it's too good to pass up. So he's obviously a dark horse. I don't see that happening, but it is something to consider. And if it does happen, you could say that we called it here first here on the show. Um, but that being said, there's a few different people they can eye to have win the Rumble in a few short weeks for the men. For the women, it's a different story. I think for a long time, people thought Becky would be the woman to win the Rumble, go into WrestleMania, face Ronda Rousey for the championship at WrestleMania. But now it's not such a clear path to the show. Uh, Becky, this past week on SmackDown, did beat Charlotte and Carmella in a triple threat to become the number one contender to the SmackDown Women's Championship, meaning... At the Rumble, it's Becky and Asuka one-on-one for the title. First time ever. Should be a great match. But David, does this eliminate any chance of Lynch entering the Rumble and winning it to go on to face Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania? No, I don't think it does at all whatsoever. I think that's kind of part of the plan. Uh, I I did think, I know I I sound silly for thinking this, I thought for a second that Carmella was going to win that match. I'm glad she didn't, but... She performed really well. She held her own against arguably two of the best women in the company. I know Carmella doesn't get the the same love as Charlotte Flair and and Becky, but that was an excellent triple threat match last night. But nonetheless, I think Becky Lynch loses to Asuka, and then later on in the night, she wins the Royal Rumble. I think at this point, it's no secret. The match we really need to see is Ronda Rousey versus Becky Lynch. I know everybody does want to see the triple threat match with Charlotte versus Ronda versus Becky, and I want to see that too, don't get me wrong, but I think the money here is have that one-on-one match get done first. Becky Lynch, the hottest woman on the roster, versus Ronda Rousey, the other hottest woman on the roster. You got to make it happen one-on-one at WrestleMania. Could you see a scenario where it's Becky winning the SmackDown Women's Championship at the Rumble, which I don't know why they would take the title off her to begin with at TLC if that was the case, but let's let's assume that's the case for a moment. She beats Asuka for the belt of the Rumble. Rousey obviously retains against Sasha Banks, which should also be a great match. And then Charlotte wins the Rumble. Because if Becky's not the Rumble, Charlotte makes the most sense. No one else should win that Rumble except for either Charlotte or Becky. Could we see a scenario, David, where Charlotte is able to choose both Becky and Ronda? and we get a triple threat at WrestleMania for both belts? And if so, are you in favor of doing an undisputed women's championship match of the show where both belts are on the line? I like that idea from a storytelling perspective. It would make absolute sense. But at the same time, I don't want to get to a point... I get scared when WWE starts leaning towards things like that because I get scared that they they won't value the brand splits identities you know what I mean like I I have a fear that if they they unified the women's championship then 
we won't get to see other women flourish on their respective brands, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, with the, with the rumors of the women's tag titles, that is going to be you know cross branded, including NXT. Perhaps they could actually make it work. You know, you'll have the the women's tag titles that could bounce from every single brand, and in that respect, perhaps you could have the the raw or excuse me, the undisputed women's world championship across every brand. But I don't know. I, I don't. I don't necessarily trust WWE's ability to unify the belts while giving each talent a fair shake. I, I think it's always best where each brand has their own world title for each division. Yeah, I agree with that. Maybe a few years ago, and obviously they did do that at one point about a decade ago with the Raw and SmackDown women's divisions before they um, you know, erased the brand split altogether. But I, I'm just not a fan of doing it right now just because there's so much talent on both brands. You know, Sasha has not sniffed the Raw Women's Championship picture until just this past week. And that was with only, that was with two women's championships. So if they were to have one, you know, how likely would it be that she and Bailey and Asuka would ever get title opportunities when it's almost always about Ronda Rousey and Charlotte and Becky and, you know, um, and even Alexa Bliss on Raw? There's so many names they constantly revolve around. I think there's a lot of women that would not get opportunities. If they were to unify the both, if they if they were to unify both belts. That being said, um, now that women's tag team titles will become an actual reality sooner rather than later, it was announced a few weeks ago on Raw. I think having one unified tag team title is fine um, because I don't think it's I don't think they can justify having two sets of tag titles. With I mean they have a lot of women on both shows, but not enough to have two separate pair like a a pair of tag titles as opposed to just one. So I would do one set of tag titles and just two separate championships on both shows. So, But like you said, though, um, I think Becky and Ronda is the way to go. If they want to include Charlotte to make it a triple threat, I'd almost be okay with that, too, just because it makes storyline sense. But Becky and Ronda was the match we were supposed to get at Survivor Series. We never got it. We can always get a triple threat down the road. I think if you want to build a WrestleMania main event around two people, it's got to be Becky and it's got to be Ronda Rousey. As of right now, there's no other matches that make sense. Um, but we'll see how that shapes out come the Royal Rumble and who wins what when it comes to the Rumble match and the SmackDown Women's Championship match. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, also announced the Royal Rumble pay-per-view that's this past week on SmackDown. SmackDown tag team title match has now been made official. It's the bar versus the SmackDown... I was going to say the SmackDown commissioner, but now he really kind of runs everything. Shane McMahon... And the other two-thirds of the best in the world, according to The Miz, um, The Miz. It's going to be The Miz and Shane McMahon vying for the SmackDown Tag Team titles at the Royal Rumble. Um, what's going on with the storyline, David? Where are they headed with this? Are we seeing a face Miz turn at some point? Are we seeing a Shane McMahon heel turn? Will they win the Tag Team titles? Are they entering the Tag Team ranks? Where are they going with this Miz-Shane angle, you think? It, it, it is a little hard to say because the, the the pairing between Miz and Shane is very random. I mean, I, I they have had like very brief on screen interactions in general, so it's very random in that respect. I I think this is creative's way of giving the bar fresh opponents, so I understand it from that perspective. And uh, Miz could make anything you give him entertaining, so. 
I'm not really worried about how entertaining it would be. And, and Shane McMahon, although he's not a real quote-unquote wrestler, every time he performs, he, he, it's something worth watching. You know, McMahon's know how to get attention when you're in the ring with a McMahon. So I, I think they will win the tag team champions, first of all. But the only route I could see this going is if ultimately – this is Miz's way of manipulating Shane and be- becoming a heel just like him so he could use him a little bit. You know, I, I could easily see them winning the-, the tag team titles, holding it down for a few months, then maybe down the line if Daniel Bryan's still champion, uh, I could see, or-, or maybe not even Daniel Bryan, he doesn't necessarily have to be champion, but it would help with his history between Shane McMahon and The Miz, I think Miz could always manipulate his way into getting the strap eventually because Lord knows Miz is due for a WWE championship run at some point soon. It's been like almost a decade since he's been WWE champion. So the the only logical route I could see this going that would be compelling is Miz, you know, using Shane for to know move up the ladder i really don't think we should see a miss phrase turn they tried that at one point with rick flair you know handing them down the figure for leg lock and it was just awkward man the miss trying to be a good guy is awkward it, it doesn't sound like he believes in it you know it sounds a little forced and fake i just think let him be the natural bad guy and since Shane's returned, we haven't seen him be an evil McMahon. Let him be a little evil now. Yeah, I think it could work. I mean, they kind of teased that when he won the Crown Jewel Best in the World Tournament, which ended up amounting to nothing. The whole thing was a waste of time. So if they don't capitalize that in some form or fashion by turning him heel, then it's a giant wasted opportunity. Um, I agree with the face miss stuff. At one point, I did believe he did have potential to be a breakout babyface because he does have the crowd support behind him. But... Then again, there's something to be said for people cheering The Miz because he's playing his role so well. So when you change the role, will they continue to cheer him? I, I, I don't think so. So yeah, I would keep him a heel too. Um, and hopefully it is only a matter of time in 2019 before we see The Miz vying and then winning the WWE Championship. And I mean, The Miz has thrived in every tag team situation the guy has ever been put in. Between him and Shane McMahon, he's been paired off with... Damian Sandow, R-Truth, Alex Riley, John Morrison. Big show. What was that? Big Show. Big show. big show. Forgot yeah. about the Big Show. <laughs> Jesus, he's had, had, he's had tag team partners I completely forgot about. That's how many tag team partners this guy has had. And he has thrived with every single one of them. Um, I think Shane will be no different, but yeah, I, I'm also of the mindset that as much help as that SmackDown and Raw tag team division needs... Um, I would rather see Miz showcased on his own, doing his own thing, hopefully being back in the main event scene soon after WrestleMania when the smoke kind of clears and we get a better picture of who's going to be featured at the top of the card and who won't be. Um, but real quick before we sign off here, David, we had the return of Hulk Hogan this past week on Raw paying tribute to the late, great WWE Hall of Famer Mean Gene Okerlund um, following his passing last week. Uh, which kind of was a uh, huge loss for the wrestling world. Hogan's return was announced a few days later on social media, receiving a lot of backlash from fans, 
and rightfully so for a lot of people who are still not fans of Hogan from what happened with him a few years ago. Uh, what were your thoughts on Hulk Hogan's Raw return this past week, and do you think we could see him back in a recurring role in WWE TV, on WWE TV at some point? And even if so, would you want to see him back in a recurring role on WWE TV at some point? Well, uh, and by the way, people have every right to, you know, not for, have forgiven Hulk Hogan mm-hmm. and, and feel how they feel. But, you know, I, I understand why they brought him back, specifically for Monday Night on Raw. You know, almost nobody has more connections in history to Mean Gene Okerlund, rest in peace, than Hulk Hogan. At the same time, you could see, you can tell, I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist that, you know, WWE wanted him in that spot to get liked a little bit more, like to regain his fan base. And, you know, Hulk Hogan will always have a special place in, you know, wrestling fans' hearts, especially the old school ones, because that's who they grew up watching, you know, that's just the nature of the beast. But I don't think there is a need for him to be on TV. What what exactly does he add? He doesn't really pay off a storyline. He can't take bumps. He, he, he's not really a, a manager type to be a, a mouthpiece to help someone get over. He's not a commentator. So it's like, there's really not, no real use for him on TV other than, hey, check this out. Hulk Hogan's going to show up. Like, it, it's almost like he's just showing up to show up and, and just to get himself back in good graces and be on TV. So, no, I, I don't think he should be on TV, but. If they want to keep him around as an ambassador for the company and, you know, to make some media appearances for the WWE, then I get it and it makes sense. But as far as a character in the regular mix of things, I really don't see a need for him. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I'm, you know, I like Hogan. I thought his appearance on Raw was nice, but like you said, fans feel every they they are absolutely entitled to feel how they do about Hulk Hogan. Um, I thought it was a, a fine fit for him on Raw to be brought back for the Mean Gene Okerlund skit. I thought he played his role well, but even regardless of all the controversy surrounding Hogan, even if that didn't happen, I mean, years ago when he first came back in 2014, 2015, he wasn't like a Raw GM or a manager. I think he was a he was a coach or a Um, a judge rather on Tough Enough. But beyond that, I mean, the guy was rarely on TV. He was only really around to promote stuff. And that's about it. That's all you really need from Hulk Hogan. Like you said, it's not like he can be brought back in a Paul Ellering-type brawl, managing a tag team, or in a storyline. God forbid he ever wrestles again. So uh, there's really no need for it. But I thought if if they bring him back on occasion for stuff like this, then it might be, um, you know, it might be an okay fit for him. So I thought it was an okay appearance from Hogan on Monday night. And but hopefully that's that's the last that we see of him on Raw for the foreseeable future because there's no reason for him to be brought back at any point um, in the near future. But uh, that being said, David, as we wind down here, be sure to plug your you know uh, writing stuff, your Twitter, and anything else you want the people to know about, my man. Yeah, uh, you could keep in touch with all my writing and contributing for DailyDDT.com. I I put out an article about every other week or so, so you keep an eye out for that. And also my YouTube channel where I talk all things wrestling and sports. It is called Wrestling With Things. You can find it on YouTube. We also have a Facebook page. You can like our Facebook page at Wrestling With Things, and you can subscribe to us on YouTube at Wrestling With Things. 
Awesome, David. Sounds good. People could check out all those avenues to check out your awesome work. Like I said, it's always a great time having you here on the show, Dave, for the first time. I think in about two years, unless I'm mistaken, it's been a while since we last had you here on Russell Rant Radio. So thanks for reaching out. Hopefully we can definitely have you back on the show in the near future. But until then, my man, enjoy WrestleMania Royal Rumble season, and I'll catch your ass down the road, dude. All right. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, Graham. And on that note, guys, check out more episodes of Russell Rant Radio every single week right here on Thursdays, not only on NextDayWrestling.net, but also on iTunes. Simply search up Russell Rant Radio at the Apple Podcast app, rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. You get not only every new episode on Thursdays, but also all the archived content dating back to October of 2013, over five years worth of shows at your fingertips on iTunes. Check out every show available right now on the iTunes uh, Apple Podcast app in addition to nextairwrestling.net. As for me, folks, find me on the socials at WrestleRant on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Graham.Jason.Matthews on YouTube as well at youtube.com backslash C backslash Graham.Jason.Matthews. So next week, More WWE talk with either another guest or me just flying solo. We'll soon see. Until then, guys, have an awesome rest of your week. I'm Graham Gison Matthews, and I'll catch your ass down the road.